guys welcome to another episode of get up 10 and this week is part two of our conversations with princess millen so if you didn't listen to part one stop right now go back and listen because you're gonna want to hear the foundation for her story and for what we're about to get into today because in part one we talked about losing her mom we talked about going through divorce and now we're gonna talk about losing her son and the bounce back the getting back up so you definitely want to go back so you have the foundation laid before we get any further and yeah let's get into it gut punch that i want to talk about is the death of your son how yeah what how did that go down yeah um my son he was in the military so he was in the U.S. Army, and he went right after high school um, in 2016. So he just graduated from high school in 2016. He was shipped off that summer to basic training and all of that. Um, when he finally got his, um, went through AIT and all of that, his training, he went to be a motor transport operator. I believe that's 88 Mike. And so he, that was, that's what his job was. He loved his job, everything. And um, he, in uh, early 2018, he went to do a tour in Poland. So he went to Poland and they did a tour there. He had come back in uh, September. And um, in September, late September, he came to stay a couple of weeks with me, right? And so, you know, they they had some time off because they had just come off the tour. And so he decided to come home and spend a, a couple of weeks with me um, in Georgia. So um, it was great. Um, I was uh, sad to see him go. I remember taking him to the airport um, that first week in October and uh, little did I know when I dropped him off that that would be the last time that I would see him. So in less than uh, a month later, he had passed away. So he passed away uh, peacefully in his sleep. And, um, you know, they did an autopsy and everything because he was so young. And uh, there was no indication that there were any trauma uh, or anything like that. So um, he passed away peacefully in his sleep. Um, so quote unquote, natural causes. And um, it's just like the movies, Ginger. It's, it's just like the movies that uh, the military officers show up at your door and, and, and give you that news, right? I was actually at school. I was at school teaching that day. And my daughter came um, to my classroom. Well, that was not unusual for her to visit me sometimes, you know, her and her friends or, you know, even um, her and my son had came uh, to visit me a couple of times. So it wasn't unusual. So I didn't think anything of it. And then when I stepped out of the classroom, she said, you know, um, she told me her dad said to come to the school to get me. I said, come to get me, you know? And so of course, my son was just the furthest thing from my mind. She didn't know what was going on. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I just figured maybe something had happened to my dad. I don't know. 
and you know nobody was saying but I was like okay you know how when you try to piece things together you don't really know you try to piece things together I'm trying to piece things together and say well maybe you got something to do with my dad well no if if something was doing my dad my brother would have called me and so of course we are trying to call each other so of course when something's going on what we and my children do we always call each other so we're busy trying to call and text Anthony and, you know, try to see, you know, what's going on, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we finally got uh, back to my house and um, literally um, 60 seconds after I um, pulled into my driveway, um, a, a car was coming down the street, parked uh, in front of my yard and two military officers came out, right? And so um, I just, I lost it, of course, because I know, you know, we looked at a, uh, enough movies to know what's going on here. And so I just did not want to hear anything that they had to say. I remember screaming to the top of my lungs and I was walking in the opposite direction all the way down the street. I began walking down the street Screaming at the top of my lungs, right? At the same time, begging God, let this not be the truth. What I'm thinking right now, you know, you know, maybe he, I'm trying to rationalize. Maybe he's just hurt. Maybe that he's just hurt and, and they just coming. So finally, when um, you know, my ex-husband came and he said, you know. We, we got to go in. We got to go in so they can talk to us and all this kind of stuff. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so we finally got into the house and they said the, the normal saying, I'm sorry to inform you that, you know, your son has passed away. And so um, they didn't have too many answers at that time because, of course, it, it had just happened. And so um, it was very, very, very painful. It was very um, shocking as well, because I think for a period of time, I was also in shock, even though I was in pain. I don't know if that makes sense, but I was in pain, but I was in shock at the same time. And so, um, but it was real. It was real because I kept trying to rationalize, well, maybe they got him mixed up with somebody else, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I know they have uh, his dog tags, but maybe it's somebody else. Maybe, maybe it's somebody else mixed up, you know, maybe he's in the field right now because he, he had a, um, a way of going to the field. And when they go to the field, they might not can't communicate by cell phone for a few days. Right. And so I said, well, maybe he's in the field and they just got this whole thing mixed up you know, and anything that I could come up with in my mind to um, say that this is really not happening, I think I did it. Whatever excuse or whatever thing I could think of, I came up with. But, you know, again, um, is something very, very important about having the right people around you, you know, my family and I, we are close. And so um, did them just being there for us, my dad, 
uh, my brothers, um, my sister-in-law, um, my church at that time, um, just, just an outpouring of love, right? An outpouring of love. And um, even the military, even the military um, from for the things that they did, the things that um, they always kept me in a loop and kept me abreast of what was going on. They did some things for us, you know, things like that. Um, but it was, um, it was a long drawn process as well, because I don't know if anybody believes or, or knows this, but, you know, when they're in the military, things come in stages, right? Things come in stages and everything has to be in order. So they have to write an order for you to do whatever. So for instance, an order had to be submitted to perform the autopsy. An order had to be submitted for them to release his um, body back to me, to, to bring him from Texas back to Georgia. An order had to be, you know, so an order had to be doing it. So um, it was a long and drawn out process because it took about two is took about a week and a half for him to even make it back home. So again, I had to grieve someone who I, I did not have physical evidence that it was going on. And I think that's why I, I imagine so much in my mind that it could be that I hope it is and all this kind of stuff. So it took him about a whole week and a half for him to even come back home. And we met um, them at the airport and, um, you know, in seeing that flag draped coffin, um, just, it, it's something broken me to say, you know, God, I know this is not happening, right? And so even when we got him back to the uh, funeral home, you know, because the funeral home was there to receive the, him to us, right? Even through all of that, I still tried to rationalize because I still had not seen his face. So this is the emotional and mental things that grief will do to you, right? And so I still had not seen his face and I was still praying that when they open this casket, it's not him, right? And so they could not do it that night. I still had to wait two days. <laughs> oh my God. I still had to wait two days from when he was in the funeral home so that they can inspect and make sure everything's okay so that we can see him. So of course, that was the longest two days of my life. And so um, when we finally was able to see him and I had evidence that he's truly gone, you know what I'm saying? Another thing broke in me, right? And so it kind of began there. So it was a long process. It was a long process for uh, me to even get him back home to Georgia. It was a process for me to even uh, give him, get him to where that I could, that we could see him, you know, before anybody else does. It was a process for, um, you know, the, the autopsy itself. It was a process for us to even get his belongings 
from Texas to Georgia. So I did not even get his belongings until uh, the following year in spring, in the spring. So he passed in October. I didn't get his belongings until like February or March of the next year. Because again, military, they have to inspect everything. They have to count everything. They have to check everything off. It's an inventory of what is everything that's in there so that they can have it in there and 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 bring it to me, right? So, you know, and then the military had a memorial service for him, right? Um, so that was a process too, because that was the first time I was able to physically meet his captain, his commanders, the people that served with him and all of that kind of stuff. So all of it has been a process in itself, not only of him passing away, but the steps that it took for me to, um, to, you know, get his belongings or even get him home to me so that I can have a proper, uh, funeral and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, but even in the process, I can just, uh, again, I love, I love to look at the blessing in everything. That's the that's one of the, the the things that we can do for real that will help us in our grief journey. We look we look at not not only what we lost, we look at the blessing in what we had, right? And so I look at the blessing of you know God just giving him to me to to let him me steward over his life for 20 years, right? I look at the blessing that he lived to 20 years. You know, I have friends where they had stillborn babies. They didn't have a day, right? My mom, I have a brother that I never met. My mom lost a child and uh, he was two years old, right? Mm -hmm. And I think my mom only had two years, but I had 20. You see what I'm saying? I thank God for those things because you know, there's always a blessing somewhere. It's always a blessing somewhere, right? Do I miss my son, love my son? Yes, I do. Will I always grieve his loss? Will I always grieve my mom and all of that? Yes, I will, right? But I believe that our stories are so important that they will continue to live on through our lives and through the testimony of what we had to go through. And so that's why I go so hard on emotional wellness because, you know, there's something out there for us to do. And we cannot do it if we are um, depressed, if we succumb to the things that, you know, that, that, that will hinder us from telling our story, from sharing our experience, right? There are things that we have to do. And so in order to do those things, in order to keep him alive, in order to keep my mom alive, right? Because I've heard that if after the funeral, if you re refuse or if you don't say their names or continue to say their names, it's like they died twice. And so I always say that my son, my mom, they will never die twice. They will always be in my mouth 
because, and, and I like to hear you talk about them too. I like for people to ask me questions. I like for you to say their names, right? Because their names are my legacy. Their names are their legacy. And so now I live so that their leg legacy can live on, right? Their legacy of, of um, you know, joy, their legacy of helping other people, right? My son, he was so full of life. And I'm telling you, he never did meet, meet a stranger. He never did meet anybody that he would not physically give his the shirt off of his back, right? <laughs> he never did. So now I live my life the same way, right? Not that I was doing it, not doing it before, but I have a new revelation and a new fire to do that because I know I'm not just living for myself, right? Exactly, exactly. And on this note, it's the perfect transition because I love to talk about, yes, like what have you been through? How did life knock you down? But I don't want to just leave somebody with that. I also want to talk about how do we get back up so how do we get back up from grief? How do we get back up from divorce? How did you get back up? Like, give us some tangible takeaways because somebody needs to know that they can get back up and how to do it. Yes, you can get back up. I'm a living, a breathing testimony of that. And the first thing, the 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 most critical thing that we can do first is to acknowledge our pain. A lot of times we can't move through our pain, move past our pain is because we haven't acknowledged our pain. You know what I'm saying? We, we have, um, it's just like being, a uh, having an addiction, right? And they say, if you don't know if you have a problem, then there is no way that you can get help for that problem. You have to acknowledge that you have a problem and then you can get help for it. Same thing with grief. You have to acknowledge that you are in pain. A lot of times we're so hell bent on um, keeping up appearances and 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 showing people, you know, trying to show people how strong we are, and and, and going to work and, and still trying to push through. Try instead of saying I'm in pain and I need help. So that was the biggest thing for me. One of the biggest things, and that's that's what I teach, is that you got to acknowledge that pain, right? The second most thing is that you're going to have to be in control of your thoughts. You got to be in control of your thoughts because your thoughts um, are the gateway to what happens and how you are able to bounce back through grief, loss, burnout, stress, right? What do I mean by that? It's something that happens to us, right? It's, it's whole neuroscience behind what happens to us physically and, um, you know, physiologic, physiologically. <laughs> yes, that's the word. What <laughs> happens to us, right? When grief happens. Is a whole biological thing that happens to us when grief happens, right? And it all begins with a thought. One of my favorite authors behind this is uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She wrote a book about switch on my brain. 
And it talks about the things that happens to us when grief, when trauma, when things happen to us and what happens to our brains during that time. And the biggest thing is our thoughts lead us down either a rabbit hole of depression or a rabbit hole of joy. Our decision is to determine where we going. Where we going? We going we going to follow the the depressed state or we going are we going to try to push our way to that joy state, right? And so we have to make whatever we have to do to guide our thinking and a lot of this can come from journaling, right? When we write down how we feel, when we're able to journey, journal, you know, what happened to us, when we put pen to paper and, and make the reality uh, a physical, a tangible thing, right? We can now go back and see the holes in our thinking. Because a lot of times there are holes in our thinking. There are big old holes. And some of them are not true. Some of them are not true. There was a hole in my thinking that to think that, you know, I didn't do enough for my son. It was a hole in my thinking. I didn't do enough for him. I didn't pray enough for him. I didn't do this. I didn't go. But that was not true. <laughs> and so the holes is going back to that cup, right? The holes that we have in our thinking, it can fill our lives where we can't even get out the bed. We want to pull the covers. We want to, you know, keep the blinds and keep the blinds dim and everything. We don't want to um, deal with the world. We want to isolate ourselves. But I'm telling you that thinking, acknowledging the pain and, and finding those holes in the negative thinkings and the thinkings that is going to be toxic to us being healed and whole in every area of life. Those are the two things, but I, I'm I'm here to really encourage everybody who's listening that you can make it. You can do it. You can make it. You are not alone. I always say grief is a journey, but you, you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to walk alone. There are plenty of people out here that are, believe it or not, going through the same things that we are. And I think that a lot of times our communities begin to find us, right? So just like Ginger, you went, you going through divorce. I went through one. Our communities begin to find each other, right? Some of the people that lost children, I lost children. They are beginning to find me. I'm beginning to find them. So have that support system that you need so that you'll be able to be able to bounce back and become resilient in every area of your life. And I'm encouraging to do that. The, the life, speak life into your situation. But because the death and life is in the power of your tongue. And as you think you are, so are you. So if you're depressed, is that's the kind of language that's going to come out of your mouth. But if you have joy despite your pain, if you're going to be happy despite that divorce, despite that loss, despite the trauma, right? 
those are the words that's going to come out of your mouth. And despite my pain, despite what I've gone through, I still have joy and I still thank God for every single uh, thing that he has done in my life and will do in the future. I love this because you're touching on so many things that even though our stories are not the like mirrors, I guess you could say like they, they have their points of connection, but they're very different still. But again, I'm, I love your grateful heart because I'm so big on gratitude as well. And that's something I try to practice, practice, <laughs> practice daily because I know how important it is and just spiritually what gratitude does I don't even think we can really fathom how serious it is but it's huge and so I'm so big on gratitude and also you said despite 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 well I told you I got a, a cup tattoo but after going through my relationship with my daughter's father I also got another tattoo and it says in spite of because it's the same thing, like in spite yeah. of whatever, I'm still gonna whatever, fill in the blank as if it's your story. So I hear you on that and I love that. Love that. That's so good. So one question I wanted to ask you, because I it's something that I've come across in relationships, but something that I don't deal with directly, but I know that somebody else might be wondering. Uh, how do we deal with the anniversary is that the right word yeah of when that that date comes around of the loss of a loved one because I know some people that when that date comes around they just shut down they don't know how to function they it just really affects them and I'm not saying that we need to just keep it moving and put a smile on your face and pretend that it's not that day because it is that day but I know a lot of people get stuck in that cycle that once that anniversary comes around, once that date comes around, they don't know how to function. And I, I think that it doesn't have to be like that. And so can you speak to how to break that cycle? Yeah. Um, I actually just went through an anniversary. My son passed away. Um, October 24th, 2018. So just now, uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, it was five years that he passed away. So that was an anniversary. I'm getting ready to come up on another anniversary, my mom passing away in December. And so um, what I would say to that and what I had to do, yes, it would be hard, especially that first year, right? Um, but what I know in order to kind of bounce back from it and, and push forward is that you got to create a new narrative around that day. You got to create a new, uh, languaging around that day. Right. So first year I kind of felt like, you know, I was going to feel some type of way, right. I was still teaching at the year at the time. So what I did was I took those, I took two days off. So I took those two days off, right? Because you got to remember that um, he passed away on one day. I got notified the next day. Okay. So I took those two days off and I think I did that 
the first couple of years. I know I did it the first year because I just didn't know how I, how I would react. Uh, and even his birthday coming uh, in May, you know, I didn't know how I was going to do that. And so, but what I learned to do is create a whole new narrative around what that day signifies. Yes, it does signify the day that he transitioned, the day that I lost him here on earth. But it also opens up a responsibility for me to celebrate, right? Celebrate his life, celebrate through the nonprofit that I now have in his name called Anthony's Army, right? It's a, it's a chance for me to create a new tradition around what was a dreadful time and a dreadful day. So what I find myself doing is um, going back to the foundation, even of the nonprofit and doing things in that space that helps me to remember and help other people to know who he was, right? I just came from a um, um, Veterans Day celebration, right? Came from a Veterans Day uh, celebration uh, last week. And I met five World War II veterans. Not only did I meet that, I met some other people who I can partner with that I, that I, I, I was able to share who Anthony was, about the nonprofit and, you know, how we can partner together to, to, you know, serve the community. Right. But see, again, you have to change the narrative around it. You, it cannot be a day of sorrow. It cannot be a day of sorrow. It has to, with the narrative have to change to be a day of joy and a day that their names will never die. Their names will never die. So even during the holidays, right? Even during the holidays, make new traditions, right? We, yes, we're going to feel the brunt of them not being at the Thanksgiving table. We, You know what I'm saying? We're going to feel yeah. that. But we create new experiences and new traditions. Now, me and my daughters, our new tradition is we find a, we don't cook on Thanksgiving right? Well, we cook and we leave it at the house. But our tradition now is we go and find a Thanksgiving buffet. <laughs> we look at all the places, you know, five church, we have some places, some some sometimes ele elegant places here in Georgia, in Atlanta, that have Thanksgiving buffets. And we go and we find us a Thanksgiving buffet and we go to the fine dining experience and we do that. That's something that we had never done before. So we find ourselves making new tra traditions so that we can change the narrative and not only uh, focus on what was lost, but we are here for what remains. I love that. That's so good. Thank you so much. Cause that's so powerful. And like I said, I, have not experienced death to the same extent that you have, but I know, you know, it's a part of life. And so 
I even feel more encouraged and empowered just hearing what you have said. So I know whenever the time or times come in my life, I, I have tools through this conversation with you. So thank you. And I love that tradition. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm going to put the information about your nonprofit in the show notes, just in case somebody would like to inquire and see how they can get involved. So thank you for mentioning that as well. Thank the last. Actually, I don't want to transi- transition just yet, um, unless you're ready to. So what I'm saying is, is there anything else that you would like to add on the topic of getting back up? Um, Nothing other than it's just one step at a time. Sometimes I think we try to rush and we try to hurry up and heal. Yeah. But healing in its in and of itself is a process, you know. It's just like in the in the medical world, or or not even in the medical world. But when we have when we scrape our knee, or we scrape our elbow, right? Our body responds, right? It responds to bleeding, and you know, and naturally clotting, right? Mm-hmm. Naturally clotting of the blood naturally forming a scab you know even though we see the scab it still doesn't mean it's healed on underneath right it still needs some time so in the same way that's how we heal we scrape our knee we 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 lose something right or someone and we go through the healing process we 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 develop scars right? Sometimes they're visible, sometimes they're not. But that even then the scars, that don't mean we're fully healed. And even with the scar, sometimes we are fully healed and it's okay. So we got to make sure that it's one step at a time. Don't have, you don't have to rush healing. Healing will come not only with just time, but with us, uh, doing the things, having the support that we need um, to be able to to go through that process. I completely agree with that. And a few years ago, God gave me so much revelation on healing and emotional wounds and physical wounds and the parallels, especially yeah. as, you know, me as a nurse, I literally see these things and yeah. I used to wonder, like, how come when we break something or we get a cut or a wound or whatever, we know right away, like, all right, let me, I mean, not not all of us, because, but anyways, in general, <laughs> we know, like, okay, I need to go get this looked at. I need some help. I, like, I need to take care of this injury and let me find out what the doctor says and let me go through the process and it's going to take some time. You know, we give it attention, but when we have emotional wounds, we don't do all of that. We don't, we don't even realize it's acknowledge. It's not even that we realize it's that we don't always acknowledge that it's there and that there's also a process as well. Yes, it is. And I always wondered that, like, why, why aren't we doing the same? Like, so thank you for that. The, the last thing I want to touch on is authenticity. Because that's really important to me. And that's something that I'm 
constantly growing on or in or whatever because <laughs> I want to make sure that I am showing up as who God created me to be and so there's some learning and unlearning that comes along with authenticity and I especially love to ask people with more life experience than me because like I said I'm still trying to figure it out so with that being said what does it look like to you to live life with no filter and just authentically be yourself Um, I think authentically being yourself is, is freedom. And a lot of times, um, the things that we've gone through, depending on what it is, um, we don't want to talk about it, you know, for whatever, whatever reason. Sometimes we don't want to talk about things, especially when it comes to relationships, divorce, things like that, because um, it may bring a level of shame or guilt. And so we shy away from talking about or being transparent about the things that we have gone through because of it, right? And so what we have to make sure that we do to continue to show up in our authentic and our transparent self is knowing that your story is not just for you. So when we, I think when we fully grasp the idea, because there's some people out there still thinking that there is no value in my story. But when we change that narrative and say, my story is valuable and know that my story is not just for me, it's for somebody else, right? Even if it's just for one per one person, you know what I'm saying? We keep devaluing uh, because of numbers. You know, other people don't have the following. Other people don't have the, the social media that I have and other people have more, more this, more that. You know what I'm saying? But what about the person at the grocery store? What about the person that you work with that they're going through a divorce too? What about the person that you, the stranger that you meet um, at, at somewhere that you are, the stranger that you meet that is going through the same thing that you're going through, but, but because we choose to close our mouths because we're shameful, we're, we're guilt, we don't want people to know and all this kind of stuff. You are, like I said, it's freedom. You are preventing other people from being free as well. So to show up as your authentic self, see, we can talk about grief as it relates to loss of a loved one most of the time. But when it comes to relationships and stuff like that, we don't want to know that our spouse, we don't want people to know that our spouse cheated on us. We don't want people to know that they were verbally and physically abusive. We don't want people to know that we endured certain things because we don't want them to think something about us. You know, it's all, it's all uh vainglory. <laughs> it's all, it's all in vanity, right? Mm -hmm. But when we break those walls down and understand 
that the same level of freedom that we have in our story is the same freedom that we want to give other people so that they can be free as well. And so that future generations can be free, right? So that your family can be free. Because some, somebody looking at this broadcast, right, listening to us today, you're not free because of your family. But you're the hold up probably to even set your family free from some things, right? The same thing that don't think that you the only one in your family that has gone through X, Y, Z. Now, yeah, some cases you might be, but the majority of the cases, we're not the only ones. I was not the only one. I'm not an only one in my family, right? Who has lost a child. I'm not the one, only one in my family has lost their mom. I'm not the only one in my family has gone through a divorce, but the end as believers, the enemy will try to trick us into believing that so that we will not share, that we'll be shameful, that we will have some kind of thing, you know, that that's withholding us from, from saying or being transparent about it because that's what I suffer with. So when I tell you that nobody knew I was getting divorced until I mean, I was at the last leg. I was I tried to put up such a facade in my marriage. I didn't want my brothers to know. I didn't want my dad to know. I didn't want nobody to know because I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I was so shameful that what people would say and how they would think and all this kind of stuff. But I tell you what, it's it's a freedom. It's a freedom. So who am I? Who are you to the to to prevent other people from being free? Who am I? So that's the thing that I think about as far as being um fully transparent and authentic in how we show up because it's freedom for us. It's freedom for me being on get up 10 talking about these things. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a level, no matter how much you talk about it, every time I open my mouth and I talk about my mom, my marriage, and my son, it's a level of freedom that's being released. And hopefully by somebody listening, they will release their freedom as well. So I'm not anybody to withhold freedom from somebody else. I love that. And I was just thinking about how the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. But the flip side of that is that heal people, heal people, free people, free people. So, yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's a shirt, Ginger. That's a shirt. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not going to keep you for two hours. So we are going to land the plane, but. Wow, this has been amazing. I have three questions, three more questions, but they're quick questions. Okay, they're they're nice and they're kind of like little appetizers. But at this point, I guess they're like the dessert because we're at the, <laughs> the end of the interview. So, because wow, we have talked about so much, and I hope that somebody is taking notes because you have said so many amazing things. But on a lighter note, I'd like to do these fun questions. They're fun, but they're also like informational. So, anyways. I love to travel. 
And I always like to ask my guests, if you could go any place in the world, where would you go? Oh, that's a hard question. So many places. But I, I would say, I would say um, Italy. Yeah. That's on my list as well. Yeah. Love that answer. And then is there a song that you would like to share with our listeners? So it could be something that you're listening to on repeat right now, or just something that's kind of like an anthem for you that has gotten you through. An anthem for me that has gotten me through. Well, I would say Todd Delaney, victory belongs to Jesus. Yes. I think he just came out with a new album. I think so, too. Let me check. Because yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, he did. It's called The Journey. He just came out. I was listening. I just started listening to it, but I didn't finish. But he has some really powerful songs. So love that. And lastly, you did mention a book by Dr. Caroline Leaf before, but I also like to ask for a book recommendation. So it could be either something that you're reading right now or something that you read in the past that was really like life changing for you. Oh, wow. Let's see. Book. I would say um, the the big leap. I think that's the name of it. I'm trying to see what the author is. It's called the big leap, and um, it talks about your your zone of genius, the things that you are uh, good at doing, the things that you can do. And nobody will have to pay you to do <laughs> the, the things that come naturally to you, how to put all of your skills together, right? And come up with your zone, your zone of genius. In other words, this is the place where you flow the best. This is where this is where uh if you if you're in business, this is where where it's gonna make your money, your zone of genius, right? So yeah, the big leap. Okay, yes, I've heard of that book. It's the one with the the fish the fish yeah. yes okay the yes so the big leap by gay hendrix i've heard of that yeah. book before so yeah. i'm gonna put that in the show notes but yeah that's all i got <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> so thank you thank you for your time thank you for your wisdom thank you for Showing us, okay, I got, I got to make sure I say this right. Your scars, right? Because wounds haven't healed yet, but scars have. So thank yes. you for showing us your scars to let us know that healing is possible. And I know that your mom and your son will be really proud of you and what the work that you are doing. So this is, this is special for me. This I don't know. This I think this is going to be my first two-part interview. Sure. <laughs> <And> <laughs> It was special for me. Like, I just thank you. I'm so grateful for your story and, and for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thankful for you as well. Of course. And we'll have to have you back in the future. So. Absolutely. I have more. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs>